Good morning. How are you guys doing? Man, I'm doing great as well. Welcome to, I don't even know what week we are on Christian Atheists. We're going to be in this for a while because we've got a lot to talk about with this series. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. Before we dive right in, I want to give you uh, a couple of stuff that you need to know about what's going on in our church. Um, for many of you, you know this. Some of you, you don't. Uh, we're a church plant. What that means is another church started us. And the church that started us is a church downtown called First Baptist Church. And on September the 19th, uh, they are uh, celebrating with us because we're going to become our own like church apart from them. So um, that's September the 19th. We're going to be doing one service at 11 o'clock on September the 19th here. Um, but one of the things that I'm going to ask you guys to do is if you would go to our website and uh, we have all of our governing documents on there because we're, we have to come up with accountability and things of that and all that stuff. And we would like for you to go on there and read those. If you don't have internet connection, we have that back at the hub and you're welcome to look at that. And uh, a couple of weeks before that service, we're going to ask you guys to see if you've read it and see if you... Uh, approve of kind of everything that's happening. So I would encourage you guys that if you consider One Church your home or um, you've been at One Church for a long time and maybe since from the very beginning, encourage you to go and be able to read that. All right, Christian Atheist. What is a Christian Atheist? I was talking to somebody the other day because they saw one of the back of the Clarksville families. How many of y'all, just let me see your hands. How many of y'all have heard about One Church through the Clarksville family? Let me see your hands. Look around. All right, cool. Thank you very much. Um, some people say, you know, Christian atheist, isn't that kind of like an oxymoron? And I said, what did you call me? Um, but anyway, beyond that, I says, well, it is kind of like an oxymoron. Because, you know, when you, if you're a Christian, you believe in Christ. But if you're an atheist, you don't. And it shouldn't coexist, but in a lot of ways, it, it does. In fact, a lot of people, if maybe you've not been to church in a while, you probably gave this reason, I don't want to go to church because the church is full of hypocrites. You've heard that. I've heard that a lot. Uh, that's what we're talking about with Christian atheists because the definition of a Christian atheist is somebody who believes in God but lives as if he doesn't exist. Somebody who says, yes, I love Jesus and I know the Bible. I believe in God. But somebody whose life doesn't really back up what they believe. Kind of like this graphic. I mean, we talked about this graphic. I mean, this graphic is somebody who the, the, the car is screaming one message and her finger is screaming another message, right? That's a Christian atheist. I don't know about you, but a lot of people I know, and, and, and sometimes I have been a Christian atheist, say I believe in one thing, but really I do something different. Today, we're going to be talking about a Christian atheist is somebody who believes in God, but really doesn't love other people. In fact, I don't know if you saw the news story uh, this past week, week and a half, but Anne Rice, anybody know who Anne Rice is? She wrote the book Interview with a Vampire. How many of y'all read the book, saw the movie? All right, Tom Cruise. Uh, who was it? Christian Slater was in that. All right. Um, so, uh, like back in the 90s. Anne Rice, in 2000, decided to leave the darkness and to say, you know what? And she became a Christ follower. She became a Christian. And so, 2000, the past 10 years, she wrote a book about her conversion to Christianity. And she said, you know what? I'm not going to write any more books about darkness. I'm only going to do books about good. Um, now, amazingly enough, this past week, she released a statement 
saw it on her Facebook page. Also, uh, inter, uh, Larry King interviewed her about this, and this is what she announced. Anne Rice said on Wednesday, for those who care, and I understand if you don't, today I quit being a Christian. It's simply impossible for me to belong to this quarrelsome, hostile, and infamous group of people. For the past 10 years, I've tried and I've failed. I'm an outsider. I refuse to be anti-gay, anti-feminist, anti-science, and anti-democrat. Now, before we start railing against Anne Rice and saying, well, she really doesn't believe in God, listen to the rest of her interview. She goes on to say, right after she said that, my faith in Christ is still central to my life. My conversion from a pessimistic atheist lost in a world I didn't understand to an optimistic believer in a universe created and sustained by a loving God is crucial to me, Rice said. But following Jesus Christ does not mean following his followers. Jesus Christ is infinitely more important than Christianity and always will be, no matter what Christianity is or might have become. As I read that, my heart just sank. Because here is what Anne Rice is saying. She's saying, I love Jesus, but I don't like the church. Anne Rice is saying, you know what? I love God and I love Jesus Christ and I have a relationship with him. I don't get along with a lot of Christians because they're hard to get along with. Anybody agree with her statement? Yeah, me too. There's a lot of Christians I don't get along with. I mean, why is that? I mean, has Christianity, especially Americanized Christianity, become so shallow that to be a Christian means you have to vote for a certain party or you have to say yes or no to certain things? It is be, being a Christian becomes so shallow that it's about protesting and being anti-this and anti-this and anti-this person and anti-this person. Is that really what Christianity is all about? I don't think it is. Because I never see Jesus in the Bible with a picket sign. You know what I mean? I never do see Jesus in the Bible boycotting Disney. Hadn't seen that. I never, see, I never see Jesus railing against the government. And let's just say the government back in his time was a thousand times worse than our government is today. You see, he didn't come to just change government. He didn't come just to change who you vote for. He came to change your life. He doesn't want to go so beneath voting for a political party or voting for this law or that law. No, he came to change our lives and to change what we believe in, what we stand for. You know, I think God drew Mrs. Rice to Jesus Christ. That's what I, how I read my Bible. It's God who draws us to himself, and it is the church who drove Anne Rice away. And isn't that how it goes? I mean, how many of us I mean, would just say, you know what, I love Jesus and I try to get along with Christians, but really, that's my problem. I would say a lot of us are. In fact, let me just kind of switch gears and just say this. 
some of you, this may be your first time back in church. Maybe you haven't been to church in a while, and, and you're like, man, you're exactly right, Chris. You're right on with this. I mean, what type of church should you be looking for? I mean, it's kind of weird that we're a church that's meeting in a school, because most people think, well, a church has to have a building, yet in, in the New Testament in the Bible, you never ever see them have a building. Nothing wrong with a building, but church is not a building. Church is people. So what type of church should you be looking for? What is the one characteristic that all churches should have? Great worship music? Well, that's good. That's not really the litmus test of, of the church that you should be looking for. Maybe something that's engaging or relevant for you and, and the situation you're in? Great. But that's not what the mark of a, of a good church should look like. Good teaching? Do they follow the Bible word for word? Again, that's great. But it might shock you to say that is not the one thing that Jesus said you should look for in a church. In John chapter 13, the night before Jesus gets killed, this is what Jesus, is, Jesus said to his disciples. What the one church should look like. What a church should have. And some of you, when I start reading this verse, you're going to go, oh, I know that verse. Oh, yeah, and you're going to immediately fill in the blank with what you thought, what you know Jesus is going to say. But let's just pretend you don't know the end of the story here. Jesus says in John 13, verse 35, he says this, By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you, and, and we're going to stop right there because some of you, I know what it says, but if you didn't know what it says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples, that you are followers of Jesus if you, and if you had to fill in the blank, what would you fill it in with? By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you go to church. Uh, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you put money in an offering plate. Uh, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you vote for a certain party, if you boycott a certain action, if you do a certain thing, or maybe you don't do a certain thing. What would you be tempted to fill in that blank? Because you would be surprised, and you're going to be surprised what Jesus filled in that blank. I mean, the mark of a, of, a, of a true church, a church you should be looking for. Listen to how Jesus fills in his own blank here. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have... What does it say? Okay. Uh, let's... let's some of y'all got it. Some of you didn't. All right. So we, this is an important one. This is a biggie. So let's say this one more time. All, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you what? If you love one another. If you love one. Now, maybe if you're new to church maybe and you don't like, well, that's kind of weird. Or maybe you've been bumped around out of a church. Maybe you've had a bad experience with Christianity just like Anne Rice. I just want to say from the get-go, I want to say I'm sorry for that. But Christianity was misrepresented to you because the one thing that Christians should be about is the one thing we can screw up royally, isn't it? And that is we are to love one another. We are to have love. I mean, that's kind of amazing. We're to love? I've been in a lot of churches where I've felt a lot of feelings and love ain't been one of them. But yet, that is the one thing Jesus says you need to love. 
Some of you are like, well, that's just one scripture. Okay. Let me tell you another story. There was this one dude, really religious person, knew a lot about the Bible, comes to Jesus and said, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Listen, there are a lot of, there are a lot of things in the Bible. There's a lot of laws. There's 39 books in the Old Testament, and there's 10 commandments. But over on the top of that 10 commandments, you know, we created 600 more commandments. So there was 610 commandments that the Jews, God's people, had to follow. 610 commandments. And this guy comes up to Jesus and says, which one is the most important? He says, boil it down for me, Jesus. Boil, I mean, you got 610, boil it down to one commandment. It's, y'all know what I'm talking about. How many of y'all have been in school or in school or hope to ever be in school? Raise your hands. Okay. Lydia, you've never been in school. See, you didn't know I could see you, did you? I, when you take a test and you ask to teach, listen, prof. What's the test on? Well, it's on the entire textbook, page 1 to page 699. All right, can you boil it down a little more for me, right? I mean, that's what this dude's asking. Listen, I know there's going to be a test later. There's 610. Give me the top two. Give me the top three. I want to get, you know, I want to make a B on this one. And listen to how Jesus in the first century, took 610 laws and boiled it down to uno. Look at this. Matthew chapter 22, verse 37. Jesus says, what's that first word, by the way? It's getting crazy here. There's a theme. If you don't get the theme, it's because you've been asleep. What's the first word? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. And the second one is like it. What's the next one? Love your neighbor as yourself. Guys, this is so very important to all of us who've been in church for a long time. Because we have a tendency to think that to be a good church, we've got to do this well, and we've got to have this and this and all this stuff. And it's really about one thing. It's about love. This is so important for you maybe who've not been to church in a while and been bumped out of church. And you just got a bad experience that we have a tendency to forget it's all about love. Maybe you've never been to church before. And you're like, these people are kind of weird. It's my prayer and my hope. I know we're a little weird. I know that. And you may not even agree with everything that I say. You may not even agree with everything what the Bible has to say, but it would be my hope and my prayer that you would leave here and say, you know what, even though I don't agree with him or I don't agree with her and I don't really, I still have a lot of questions about this book, those people are some of the nicest people I've ever been around with. Even though I don't agree with them totally, they really accepted me. They loved me. I think that's huge because Jesus took all of those 610 commandments and boiled it down into two. Love God, love people. Now, again, if I was Jesus and I was answering this dude's question, this is what I would say. All right, there's 610. This is what I'd tell you. You know, let me tell you. You need to stop doing that, Chris. Stop thinking that. All right, stop speeding. All right, you need to stop doing this. You need to start doing this, Chris. I mean, I'm taking all that 610 and 
start giving your money, Chris. That's what, I, but that's not what Jesus said. I want you to love God and love people. Now, it sounds like two commands, but really, it's just one. It's, it, it's, the, it's the flip side of the same coin. In fact, as I was reading in my Bible this morning before I came to church, this is in 1 John chapter 4, verse 20, someone says this, If someone says, I love God, but hates another person, that person is a liar. If we don't love people we can see, how can we love God whom we cannot see? I looked at that and I'm like, I just might throw out all of the, what I was going to say and just preach that. But I'm like, no, I can't do it. All right. I mean, that is huge. You see, it is an oxymoron to say, I love God, but I don't like you. It's an oxymoron. That's Christian atheist. Somebody who says they believe in God, but doesn't love another person. That is a contradiction. And that's what we're talking about. In fact, that is our big idea today. Our big idea, a Christian atheist is someone who believes the right things, but treat others wrong. Let's all say that if we could. A Christian atheist is someone who believes right things, but treats others, but treats others wrong. How have you treated people this past week? If I were to, how many of y'all have eaten out this week? Let me see your hands, all right? How did you tip the waitress? Oh, come on, I, we're going we're gonna to push down on this one. I mean, did you give her a dime? As I was driving to church at 6 o'clock this morning to set up, dude cut me off. And I immediately went to this graphic. <laughs> And I just breathed in and breathed out. It's not that big of a deal. Have you, tr- have you treated other people that's been driving around you? Have you passed them kind of on the turning lane because they were going too slow and were you yelling at them? I mean, how have you treated your employer? Did you spend a lot of time this week while you were supposed to be getting paid doing work on Facebook? Come on now, tell the truth, shame the devil. Seriously. I mean, how have you treated your spouse? How have you treated maybe somebody, maybe your neighbor who borrowed that hedge trimmers and brought it back and half the teeth were gone? Or maybe they hadn't brought it back at all. How have you treated them? You see, the Bible says we are to love God and love other people. A Christian atheist is somebody who says, I believe the right things, but I treat other people wrongly. I believe that spiritual maturity and following Christ has far less to do with what you know and has a whole lot more to do with how you treat other people. You know, Jesus never, ever defined spiritual maturity and spiritual depth by just knowing a lot of knowledge. He never, do you know that? He never just said, you know what, it's not about just knowing just the Bible. Now, knowledge has a place, but you can know all the Bible and still treat other people like dirt. It happens all the time. So, do you love God and do you hate people around you? Because that is an oxymoron. That's a Christian atheist. I mean, let me ask you, can you be a church that believes all the right things, do all the right things, they have all the right programs, do all this stuff, has great worship, great teaching, they believe all of God's Word, and still be jacked up? The answer is yes. 
last verse we're going to turn to, Revelation. If you have your Bible, easy book to find. Turn all the way to the very end. Revelation chapter 2, all right? Revelation chapter 2, verse 1. And I'm going to give you some background on a church. And let me tell you what's happening. Last book of the Bible, Jesus is talking. If you have a red-letter Bible, you're going to see that most of this is in red because Jesus is giving a midterm grade to these churches. Um, How many of y'all are teachers in here? Let me see your hands. All right? Now, you just started back to school, and we're going to pray for you about that, all right? But, uh, I, mean, I mean, soon you blink, it's going to be midterm, and you got to start giving out, you know, those warning grades. Y'all know what warning grades are, don't you? They're the grades that are not the final grades, but if you don't start picking it up, buddy, you are going to get the D, right? And Jesus here is doing a midterm grade here for a bunch of churches, in fact, seven different churches, Seven different churches he names in Revelation chapter uh, 1, 2, and 3. I mean, seven churches. And we're going to look at one church in particular, the church that is located in Ephesus. Ephesus is a city in Greece and Macedonia. And let's listen to what Jesus has to say about this one church in Ephesus. Let's look at the midterm grade he gives them. Very first word is the word what? Right. Now, that's going to be important for in a minute. He says, write the letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand. By the way, who is the only person who can hold the seven stars in his right hand? That's Jesus. So Jesus is talking. Jesus is talking, the one who walks among the seven golden golden lampstands. Now we're going to look at all this church has going for it. The first thing this church had going for it is the very first word, it's right. This church was committed to God's Word. This church studied the Bible. This church read from the Bible. This church was all about the written Word of God. Not only that, this church was a Spirit-filled church. This church was exciting. Look at verse 7. Anyone who's willing to hear should listen to the Spirit and understand what the Spirit is saying to the churches. Spirit. I mean, how many times the word Spirit is mentioned there? This is a Holy Spirit-filled church. It was exciting. So God's Spirit is in this church. They believe the Bible. They believe the Word of God, and they have the Spirit. And not only that, this church is, I mean, a working church. Look at verse 2. I know the things that you, what? I'm sorry, is everybody awake? Don't make me come out there. All the things that you what? Do. And look at this, because I have seen your hard work. I mean, this church did a lot of ministry, had a lot of programs. In fact, the word hard work means to labor to the point of exhaustion. They did a lot. So this church believed right things, had the Holy Spirit was involved in this church, was all about serving, and they worked hard. Look at this. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance is what it goes on to say. I mean, that means they didn't give up. When things got hard, when things got tough, the tough got going, right? They did not give up. They had endurance. The end of verse 2, he says this, and I know you don't tolerate evil people. You have examined the claims of those who say that they are apostles, but they really aren't. You have discovered that they are liars. I mean, this church had right beliefs, and they could sniff out when something wasn't right, when something was a little bit fishy. Not only that, in verse verse 3, you have patiently suffered 
from me without quitting. I mean, they suffered for their faith. I mean, when things got bad and they started getting persecuted and started getting made fun of, when someone started going to jail because of their beliefs, they didn't say, give up on Jesus. They endured without quitting is what the verse said. I mean, this church is moving and grooving, people. I mean, they got the right doctrine, right theology, right beliefs, right programs. They're doing the right things. And we would expect Jesus to say, A+. plus. Everything's going great with you guys. Keep up the good work. But that's not what Jesus, that's not the grade Jesus gives them. He gives them an F-. minus. By the way, some of you are going, can you believe him? An F-? minus? There ain't no such thing as an F-. minus. I know. All right? Jesus gave them a failing grade. Why? Look at it, verse 4. But I have this complaint against you. You don't, what's that next word? You don't love me or each other as you did at first. They no longer love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. They no longer love their neighbor as their self. I mean, all that stuff that Jesus took the 610 and boiled it down into the one and really the two and one, you know, they, they totally lost sight of that. And that goes to show you, you can know God's word backward and forwards and still be mean as a junkyard dog. And God is grieved. And God is saddened. Because it's about loving God and loving other people. That's what it's about. I mean, you can have all the wonderful theology and still miss the boat. I mean, and, and y'all know this. I'm preaching something to y'all going, I already know. In fact, let's just see how many of you know. How many of y'all either have been hurt by church, not because of doctrinal differences, but because maybe some people couldn't get along with somebody? Maybe you got hurt or maybe you know somebody that got bumped out of a church because of relational issues? Let me see your hand. Look around. Keep them up. Look around. Look around. That's the majority of the people in here. Do you know when we started one church almost three years ago, we knew this because we're in the Bible Belt. We're in the South. And everybody in the South has been to church. And because they've been to church, that's probably the reason why they don't go back to church. Because they had a bad experience. So you may not know this stat. I throw this out quite a bit here at one church. If you've been here, you know it. 86% of people in Clarksville don't go to church anywhere. You know why? It's because they've been to church. And they're like, man, those people are mean. Those people are some angry people. I don't know Jesus, and I think I'm doing better than they are. I don't know Jesus, and I don't treat to my, I don't talk to my spouse like that. I mean, they work with you on their job, and they see you skimming off the top. They don't even know Jesus, and they act better than you do. They treat other people better than you do. So why do I need Jesus? And see, that is the biggest problem with most Christians. And with most churches, we say we believe the right things, but we treat other people wrongly. And that ain't right. That is not right. Man, I think that's so huge because when you look at the New Testament, Jesus never, had, never ever said this. You know, it's all about what you know. If you, you, can, you can memorize all of this book. 
And if you do that, you'll be super spiritual. He never said that. Some of you are like, I'm glad he didn't because I don't know the Bible a lot right now. And you know what? That's okay. We've all been there. You may not know the Bible a lot right now, but I tell you what, you treat other people with respect and you still have relationships with people who may be outside of church. And I would just encourage you to keep up the good work. Keep on loving other people. And as you get into this book and you start reading, continue your relationships with other people. Treat them with respect. Treat them with love. How we define spiritual growth and spiritual maturity here at One Church is not about knowing certain books of the Bible. And it's not about memorizing certain verses. How we define spiritual growth here at One Church is around relationships just like Jesus did. In fact, we call them the three vital relationships. I mean, just like if you had somebody, if you've been in the ER and you're looking at their vital signs, if, you want, if we want to know vitality, how you're doing with your spiritual growth, I can look at one of three different relationships. First one is intimacy with God. Everybody say that. Intimacy with God. How are you doing between you and God? intimacy with God. I mean, do you know that God wants to have a relationship with you that's characterized by intimacy? We talked about a lot about that last week. That it's not just about knowing facts, but it's about having a relationship with God. That's so cool. Intimacy with God is the first one. But that's not where it ends. Intimacy with God, community with insiders. Now, who are insiders? How many of y'all are inside this building right now? Should be 100%. Some of y'all didn't raise your hand. Welcome back from your dream, all right? Into, uh, community with insiders is people who are inside the church, and we're supposed to get along with them. Some reason, a lot of churches just totally have forgotten that. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, how many of y'all ever been to a church where it don't seem like nobody can get along? In fact, do you know that the reason why most denominations are out there today has very little to do with doctrinal differences, and it has more to do because they can't get along with other people? That is kind of jacked up. Throw it out there. That The reason why we have so many churches isn't because they want to reach people who don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's more because, not about church planners, but because of church splitters. Because people can't get along with people and they say, well, I'm just going to take my ball and I'm going to go play in my own yard. And that is messed up. I think Jesus is saddened with that. It's about loving God and loving people. Intimacy with God, community with insiders, and listen to the last one. Influence with outsiders. Now, what's an outsider? Somebody who's outside the faith, outside the church, maybe somebody who's not, has never been to church before. We're to have influence with them. How do, how do you get influence with people who are outside the church? Well, number one, you've got to hang out with them. You know, the reason why we do church the way we do here at One Church, we don't have a Sunday night church, Monday night church, Tuesday night church, Wednesday night church, Thursday night church, is because most churches who have all those programs do so so that they don't have to have a relationship with their next-door neighbor who doesn't go to church. That is not right. I believe, when, in fact, when Jesus came into this world, who did he spend his time with? With church people? In fact, let me tell you the people that was attracted to Jesus, even though they were nothing like Jesus. Prostitutes, whores, sinners, tax collectors, people who had addictions, gluttons, drunkards. 
Those were the people who loved hanging out with Jesus. And yet those are the very people that do not like hanging out with us. Why is that? I think there's something wrong there. We are to have influence with outsiders, people who don't know Jesus Christ, people who say, you know what, I just, I don't understand it. I don't, I'm still learning. But I think the reason why we don't have influence with outsiders is because we compromise our integrity. I was talking to a builder this past week who's a Christian builder here in this town. And he says, you know, I'm just not like a lot of the builders out there. You know, they'll try to, you know, skimp here and save here and cut corners here and all this stuff. And I'm just not like that. And, and they, they recognize a difference in me because he's not compromising his integrity. So intimacy with God, everybody say that. Community with insiders and influence with outsiders. That is how Jesus describes spiritual maturity. It's about loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving your neighbor as yourself. And in another place in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, you're to even love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who people who don't even share your same value structure. So, what happened with this church? Look at Revelation chapter 2, verse 5. Jesus finishes. He says, look how far you've fallen from your first love. Your first love. How do you get back to your first love? Turn back to me and do the work you did at first. Now, I'm going to stop right there. Some, I've heard this about so many different people. They say, you know what? I got married 10 years ago, and I fell out of love. I've heard that so many times. But you know what? When you say stuff like that, that's saying more about your heart and you and very little about the person you married. Do you know that? I mean, think about it. Jesus says here that if you want to rekindle that first love, what are you supposed to do? Do what you did at first. You know how you rekindle a marriage? Do what you did before you fell out of love. What did you do when you were dating her? Come on now. Can you even say some of that stuff in church? Can you? I mean, what did you do? How many flowers did you buy? I mean, how many times during the day did you think about her? I mean, how many love poems have you written? And now you're too much of a man. You can't be writing a love poem. Well, cheat. It's called the internet. Copy a poem and say, hey, baby. This is for you. All right? Come on. Or, you, you, know, you know, there's a lot of great pickup lines. Still use them on your way. Hey, baby, this buzz for you. The flower. Throw that out there. Some of y'all going. All right? I mean, see, I mean, what did you do when you were dating? Do that again, and you know what's going to happen? It's going to rekindle that first love. Same with God. Some of you, there's a time right now that you're like, man, I used to be closer to God than I am now. It was when you were at camp or when you were, you know, 10 years ago when you were at this thing or that event. And some of you, I used to be close to God, and I'm not really close to God right now. You know what? Jesus is saying, do what you did back then. Do what you did at first. And you know what? It will happen. You're just going to wake up and you're going to have that feeling again. Now, I'm going to keep on reading. Jesus says this. Do what you did at first. If you don't, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. I mean, Jesus gave them a stern warning. Did they listen to Jesus' warning? You know, I googled the church of Ephesus this past week. 
Didn't come up with a lot of stuff. I didn't even put on the pics on the Google, Google the church of Ephesus. Let me show you the pics of the church of Ephesus. It's a fine establishment today. Beautiful church, ain't it? It's a little drafty. Ain't got no roof. Um, I mean, I don't see a lot of stained glass windows. Just kind of barren. In fact, it's in ruins. In fact, I end up, I got a podcast. Everybody knows what a podcast is? Where you can go and click on it and you can listen to the sermon of a church. I, I downloaded the podcast from the church of Ephesus this past week. Look, can you play that? Let's take a listen. Some good teaching, ain't it? In fact, I, I found their web address. It's www.thischurchisnolongerhere.com. Because you see, you can have believe all the right stuff. You can do all the right stuff. You can have all the right programs. You can do all of this stuff and still miss the boat. You can still miss the boat because it is about loving God and loving each other. And loving people who don't even share our own values. Intimacy with God. Community with insiders. And influence with outsiders. 